Our text today is in Psalm chapter 103. I'll let you start turning to that and put your thumb in there somewhere. And then Luke 17, 11 through 19. Psalm 103 and then Luke 17. video we saw is really a lesson in that, isn't there, uh, about Thanksgiving. Uh, to see those children uh, coming out of the hazard that they were in, and then to find that God was redemptive in their life, and they found a place, a safe place, a loving place and a place where they could look back and say thank you, as they did on the video and as they've done to the Lord. And uh, So wherever, you know, Paul said in one place, be thankful in all things. It's hard to imagine being thankful in all things. But uh, uh, sometimes it's important that we remember to say thank you uh, when God has worked in our life in a great way. So Psalm 103 Verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The psalmist said in verse 2, forget not all his benefits. Don't forget to say thank you. And that reminds us of the passage now in Luke, Luke 17. We've looked at quite often in, these, in this particular time of the year. Verse 11, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Where were there not ten Cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Made you whole. So it might be that many of us are suffering from uh, memory 
problems. Uh, I've just spoke with one in our congregation who's been coming here probably for months, and I'm still calling her by the wrong name. <laughs> Gloria, I know you, you probably came here two years and I called you by the wrong name. Is that right? Yeah, and that's back when my, my mind wasn't half bad. But uh, sometimes we have problems remembering to say thank you. I guess if there's anything that we could, if we can't think of something to say when we're praying, one thing we can say is thank you. Thank you, Lord. There's not a day goes by that there's not a blessing somewhere that we can't look to the Lord and say thank you for that. Thank you for that. And so um, we come to this story of the lepers. And we see, first of all, a cry for help. That's one of the most common things that Jesus will ever hear or that the Lord has ever heard. It's put in a prayer sometimes, but we don't, might not even think of it as a prayer. We're just calling to the Lord for help. Have mercy on us, the lepers said, as they call from a distance. They weren't even able to draw near to Jesus. They had to cry it out. They had to call out loudly. And these were desperate, these were desperate men. And this was a desperate call. So here's a situation where, you know, medically they were incurable. Uh, society considered them untouchables. Uh, they cried for help as Jesus came by. There was nowhere else to call but to God. And so it's possible that we find ourselves in such circumstances that we really don't even know where to turn or who to bear our burden to. But we are are in a moment of crying for help and calling to heaven. And I want you to know that God always hears that call. You may feel like there's nobody would know or be interested or could fix anything in your life. Well, there's God who hears your prayer. And He's answering your prayer in some form or fashion. It may not be the way you're expecting it, but God hears that cry, God help us. That's one of the shortest prayers in the Bible. You know, Peter, when he was trying to walk on the water, didn't get very far. And as he went down, Lord, help me. You know, we may find ourselves ready to go down for the third time. And we're calling for help. Mark, I don't know if you remember this, Mark Snyder, but we visited a man one time. And he shared with us... uh, He was badly injured, and he shared with us uh, what had happened to him, and it was an amazing story. He was out working in his field, and his foot got caught under the wheel of the tractor, and the tractor was moving, and slowly, beginning with his foot, it began to roll over him and crush him. Remember that, Mark? Bit by bit. Even over his face. And he told us he cried for help. 
he was crying and calling for help. And think about that. Being crushed inch by inch. Some of us may be feeling that. The load of life is squishing the life out of us, I guess we could say. A cry for help. And then Jesus is there. And we see, secondly, a demand for faith. There's a cry for help. And then there's a demand for faith. And Jesus said to these men, before they even told him what was going on, he knew. I mean, he knew. You could look and see he knew. And he simply said to them, You go now to the priest and present yourself to the priest and let them examine you. And it was the priest's job, you might say, to be the doctor. They didn't have a lot of doctrine going on back then. And much of what went on was interpreted through the priest. It's amazing sometimes the things that a preacher gets called on to do. A preacher is like a general practitioner, more like, a, I guess, an emergency room doctor. Except he don't know as much as the doctor does, so it may be a nurse who knows more than the doctor, so that probably wouldn't work it either. Maybe the person, the intake person, and I'm, I don't want to denigrate them either. But uh, often you're called on to do things and just, you have to just stand in the place. You just got to be there. You might not know what in the world to say, but you just got to be there. Well, the priest, that was one of his roles, and he basically was to look over the people with these different kinds of skin issues and interpret whether it was leprosy or not. And he could tell by whatever the signs were if they were had leprosy or not, and they were to go to him. And I have no doubt they were cured because they went. They, they obeyed what Jesus said. They followed that command to go to the priest and be examined. Now that required faith. And so these men, all ten of them, uh, expressed faith when they obeyed Jesus. And so... Obeying the Word of God is faith. Obeying what God is instructing you to do, that's faith. Faith is shown by obedience. And it was a life-changing faith. At least one of the ten lepers was changed not only physically, but was changed in other ways. This Samaritan. What's significant about a Samaritan? Well, a Samaritan was sort of the... They were the half-breed among the Jews. As a matter of fact, the Jews didn't really consider them Jews. They considered them Samaritans. It was... Uh, they lived on the other side of the tracks. And there was to be no real recognition of any goodness coming out of a Samaritan. But here was a Samaritan that thought enough 
to come to Jesus and say thank you. He could see he was cured. Instead of just leaving off, he came back and expressed his thanks and fell at Jesus' feet. And this man knew that he would never be the same again. He had met Jesus. He had met the Lord working through Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of interesting that, that often it's the people you would least expect to be appreciative or to be grateful. Sometimes it's those that are the most appreciative. I found that, you know, in my ministry. Uh, it surprised me sometimes. I mean, wonderfully surprised me. People I might not have thought would have appreciated some little something I did. And I'm not looking for thanks, by the way, so don't come out thanking me, everybody. I'm not talking about that. But some of the expressions of appreciation are like, just take you back. It's amazing. And Jesus certainly ran into that. You remember the demoniac who lived out in the tombs? and Jesus changed his life. He was wild. He was crazy. He was off the charts. And somehow, the touch of Jesus Christ, he responded to it. And he was so thankful. Why well, he just wanted to hold on to Jesus' leg and stay with him the whole time. He wanted to be with Jesus. And Jesus had to basically tear him off his leg and say, no, you need to, you need to stay here in your own town. You tell people, you show people that you've changed. You show them the change in your life. Saul was such a one. Saul was a tormentor of the, new, the real new church, the earliest church. Saul was one who, who uh, was, had dedicated himself to exterminating the people of God any way he could, imprisoning them, killing them. He stood as a witness over the first martyr, Stephen, and, uh, and uh, authorized the whole, the whole thing. And Saul, when he met Jesus, his life just changed. Now here was one who was totally for, I mean there was no Christian that wanted anything to do with him. He was a total outcast when he became a Christian. And he held to Jesus so tight. He weathered all the remarks, all the looks, all the uh, ugly words that would be said to him. He weathered all of that because he wanted to thank Jesus. Paul, the one that said, thank him for everything. Thank him in every situation. And Paul, Saul became Paul. And when he went out among his own people to the Gentiles, he got the brunt and heel of a lot of persecution. But he was so thankful for what God did in him. You know, when we, when we think to let anger just rise up in us and want to be spiteful and maybe we've got every reason to be angry. And we let that just settle into our hearts. We're forgetting one main thing. Jesus loves us enough to forgive us and to meet with us and to change our lives and come into our heart 
You may remember this lady uh, who was in prison. Uh, She had uh, crimes that were awful, awful crimes. She murdered her mother. She murdered her fiancé and two other people. Her name was Velma Barfield. Some of you might remember that name anyway. And she was to be executed. It had been 22 years since any woman had been executed and she was to be executed. And while she was in prison, she cried for help. And I doubt if anybody would have thought to anybody would have thought to give her any sympathy. But she cried to the one who, whose heart is deeper than anybody she would have ever known. And she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior based on her repentance and turning to Him. And as the time came for her to be executed, she uh, was just a few steps away and she needed some reassurance of her forgiveness. She had been such a guilty sinner that she needed some reassurance. And um, Ann Graham Lotz uh, met with her. And, and, she, and, and, and she listened to Velma and then Velma listened to her. And she let these words sink into her heart. And Graham Lott said, now listen. <laughs> you know how she is if you've ever heard her. Kind of like Billy Graham. Listen. And place this deep in your heart, she said. Have you ever been to the beach and noticed the, the tiny crab holes that are at the beach? Yes, I have, said Velma. Maybe a little puzzled about what was she was going to talk about. Have you seen the hole a child will dig into the sand? And Bill Sandcastles. And she nodded. Have you ever seen the huge holes dug by cranes when they are trying to widen the channel? Have you ever seen those holes? And she said, I have seen them once or twice. And then Ann made her point. You've seen all types of holes. Small, middle size, and huge. But what happens when the tide comes in? It covers them all equally. That's what happens when you're covered by the blood of Jesus. All your sins are covered equally. It's often the most unlikely of people. Jesus said in one place, to them whose sins are many, to them whose love is often the greatest. And so it was with that leper. It was to the woman who came and anointed the feet of Jesus and was criticized by the Pharisees that Jesus said, that is the one who returns their love. And so that cry for help. And then the thankfulness uh, for the blessing. Ten were healed. One came back. These ten had forgotten the one who delivered them from their desperate situation. Some of us go to church. 
we sing our hymns, we hear from the Word of God, but we often go away forgetting the blessings that Christ has given us, the Lord has given us. Um, Jesus sent that Samaritan on his way and he affirmed his faith and he said to him, he said, your faith has made you whole. When Jesus says that, he's talking about a lot more than the physical condition. He's talking about the spiritual condition. And I tell you, you can be as strong as a horse, but if your spirit is sick, then you're sick indeed. But you can be weak as water, but if your spirit is healed, you are strong indeed. He said, your faith has made you whole, complete, and healed indeed. I remember uh, Jane and I went one year to a state convention and there was a um, banquet that we were invited to go to. Uh, it was one of those uh, alumni banquets where they were going to try to get money out of you, so I left all my money at the motel before I went. <laughs> like some of you might do before you come to church, I don't know. But there was a young couple there in their mid to late 20s, I would say, and um, uh, the young man's name was Steve Freeman. And we got to know him a little bit. He actually graduated from the seminary that I had attended much later, of course, than me. Uh, but from the conversation we had and also with his wife as they sat there, they had just gotten married. And they spoke just in the sweetest terms to each other. And, you know, which always convicts me when I'm sitting there with Jane and somebody goes on and on like that. It's like, oh, man, I wish I'd have said that. I wish I'd have said that. But he exhibited the most wholesome, grateful attitude of anybody I think I've ever met. And it came time. He was on the agenda to sing. And I was shocked when I got him, when he got up and began to walk to the podium. He could barely walk. Young man. It was all he could do to make his way to that podium. And he began to share his story before he sang. And he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at two years old. His parents were told that he would never walk, never graduate from high school, never become a productive member of society. His mother cried out to God, Help my baby boy. And God honored that prayer and, and through Duke University and the wonderful doctors that they have there, her little four-year-old could walk. And Steve went to school. He was smaller than everybody else and he walked with a great limp. He didn't understand why God, the God he'd learned about in Sunday school, allowed this to be. And they, they just told him he was very special but he didn't feel special. And he got angry and he was filled with questions, he said. At nine years old, he received an answer to his questions when his mother explained to him how he could trust Jesus as his Savior. And this is his words. He says, God began to take a nine-year-old broken heart 
and fill it with himself. He remolded me and reshaped me and made me realize I was special. Not because of my cerebral palsy, but because he loved me and died for me. He said, I've always tried since then to stand a little taller and walk straighter as if I could disguise my handicap. But when I met Jesus, I realized I didn't have to impress him. He didn't need me. He just wanted me. So Steve went on to UNC Wilmington. He graduated. He felt the call of the ministry. He went on to school, to seminary, and it was there that he discovered that he had a voice for singing and writing as well, writing his own songs. And he sang two songs that night. One of them was called, I Love You, Jesus. Just simple, I love you, Jesus. And the other was something special. Something special. He was excited about God's work. He was excited about being in it and sharing it. And he said this, God keeps saying, my grace is sufficient for you. I have bigger plans than just healing your physical body. I could do that, but what good would it do? The truth is, God has healed me. He has healed me of the greatest sickness known to mankind. That's sin. And God took that handicap and He replaced it with Jesus Christ. Don't forget to remember. So, Father, we thank You for Jesus Christ. How all of this comes down to our life today, God, you know. Someone has said that really the difference in a Christian and a non-Christian is the words, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you, God, for coming into my heart and loving me. Thank you, God, for leading me and guiding me, even when I can't see, even when I don't understand, when I'm trying to walk, Simply by faith. Thank you, God, that you're there. And so, God, today we're grateful uh, to come and just worship together in this house today. And as a congregation, say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe today is the day to give your heart to Christ. Maybe this is the day to remember and rekindle a faith in your heart and a life of thanksgiving in your life. Maybe it's the day to act on something, to act in thanksgiving, to do what it is that God may have laid on your heart to do. Maybe it's become part of this church family. You've tasted what God has in this church family and you are desiring to be a part of it as a member. 
and come to belong to it today. So whatever may be on your heart, if it's just to pray at the altar or pray in your seat, whatever it is, let's stand together. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And as we sing, I invite you to come as God would lead you. 297, search me, O God.